What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got two of our Seven Figure Runway members. They're husband and wife couple, Dustin and Crystal Hippensteel. And uh, today we talked about their first deal since Flip Hacking Live. They've been doing this for a while, but they just did one recently in Pensacola. We talked about kind of how they found it. Some, uh, Dustin is a general contractor, so we talked about working with contractors, hiring contractors, what to say about uh, to the contractors to get them to do what we want them to do. And then uh, we talked about them how much money they made on their first deal. And this is not what you're expecting. So I want you to listen to the show, but it's not what you're expecting. And this is a real true podcast. These are real true people. And this is a real true deal. And it's not, I made a, we only bring people on the show that made $150,000, $200,000 on deals, things like that. But we're talking about the real side of house flipping today. And I hope you guys will enjoy the show. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everyone. I've got a uh, amazing show for you guys today. I'm really excited. I've got some guests here with me. So uh, some folks that came to Flip Hacking Live last October and have been doing some, uh, making some moves since then. So we're going to talk about uh, the deal they just did. We're going to talk about some of those kind of things of what they've got going on there in our seven figure runway program. So they're, uh, but they've been doing this for a while. So I'm interested to learn more right alongside of you as you listen to this. Um, today, I've got Dustin and Crystal Hippensteel. What's up, guys? How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Very good. So uh, give me a little background about you guys. Uh, I see that you've been um, working in real estate since your kids were in diapers, it says here. So, um, and I think you said your oldest was 10. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So give me a little background about what that's like. Like not, not your kids being 10 years old, but your, uh, your real estate journey. So initially it, it kind of started out as a necessity. Uh, we bought a house and it was a 203K. So we brought in a contractor. I'm I'm a contractor myself. So after we got, so can you tell everybody what that is? There's probably a lot of people listening who don't know what a 203k loan is. So a 203k is a loan set up through a bank where money is allocated to fix the property, and you have to meet certain guidelines for the property to actually obtain that that uh, the 203k itself and. With ours, the house didn't even have a front door. There was a lot of electrical damage and drywall damage inside. So we were able to buy the house and have it qualify for a mortgage because of the 203K. The contractors came in and they, they repaired a lot of that. And it was all set up through the bank that they had certain the guidelines to meet of what needed to be fixed to make sure the house was actually livable and secure their funding, their financial interest as well, I believe. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, it's basically like a rehab loan. It's a renovation loan. So two or three K you got, there's got some requirements that need to be made, but you got to fix the house out to get it ready to get a loan. Whereas it might not be bankable even on conventional standards most of the time. Right. So how much work did you guys have to do to it? We did, we did quite a bit. We ended up putting new roof, new windows, new doors, full landscape on the outside. We painted, fixed siding. I mean, it was it was a, a live-in flip for us. We, we got the initial stuff done with the 203K to be able to move in. And uh, that was kind of where the kids being in diapers were helping out. They 
we lived in New Mexico at the time and, and our, our boys thought that I had a rock collection. Everything out there is zero-scaped. So on the weekends, I would go get rocks every weekend and they'd come out and help throw them around. And and uh, they said, Dad just loves rocks. They thought for the longest time. So if you've been to Arizona or New Mexico, places like that, uh, even Vegas, uh, there's really like grass doesn't grow really well there. So it's just like all rocks everywhere, isn't it? Like yeah. dust and rocks. Yes. <laughs> so what happened after that? You guys moved from New Mexico somewhere else? We actually bought another house in New Mexico and, and flipped that one. Then we, I was working um, in Santa Fe at the prison out there at the time. And during that, I started going through all my classes to get my general contractor's license. And uh, we, we leaped into being a, a GC and moved to Michigan and, and started doing that whole thing. And we kind of bridged from the construction into real estate. And uh, that's kind of where we're at now. We, we moved from Michigan down to Florida, Pensacola, and we bought four properties in the first four months we were here. We used all the money we had from our uh, our home we sold, all the equity we pulled out, and we just we jumped into it. But we didn't realize at the time that that was the route we needed to take. We actually kind of stumbled across seven figure from one of your altitude members. Um, we we worked on a couple properties with our painting company with her, and we got to talking, and and she said you need to check this out, and we ended up going to Flip Hacking Live, and. Fast forward, here we are. Who was that? Shannon Amos. Shannon, that's what I was going to, that would have been my guess. So, okay, so you were working on some of her projects? Yep. Oh, cool. And she said, come to Flip Hacking Live. So you were flipping houses then though, already? Yep. We, we've done about two years since we moved here. Okay. And how, how did they go? It went pretty well. Um, they, the first one we bought, it was sight unseen. It was something we potentially were going to move into. Uh, didn't end up being that way, thankfully. And, uh, we took some time working on that outside of our other projects. So it, it honestly, it probably took us about seven months to get it up to par just because we weren't spending a lot of time there. And we made some money on that, reinvested it. Um, we actually took some of that money and bought a commercial building for our painting company. And, uh, We've got that leased out now. We shut down the painting company and we're running full force with our, our real estate now. So you're full-time in real estate? Yes. Okay. Crystal, what's your uh, role in all this? Um. So my role so far has been trying to get leads. I've been driving for dollars, sending out handwritten letters to a lot of people. Um, I've been trying to nurture relationships with wholesalers in the area, which has worked out to my benefit i've got one who's been sending me all kinds of leads which is good um and just trying to set up our systems like i said we've been flipping for a while but never like as a business more as like a side hustle or a hobby and then after going to flip hacking live and seeing like how much having processes and systems helps make things like a lot more profitable and uh, more enjoyable um like i've been working on all that Got it. Nice. What would you recommend? So you're out there like uh, working with wholesalers. You got one sending you a ton of leads. Like how, what, what are some tips that you would give to some people out there that might not have a lot of money and they want to do more networking and work with wholesalers and stuff like that? Like how have you done that? 
and what are some lessons that you learned and maybe some tips that you could give that would skip a lot of like pain for some of the other folks out there? Um, what networking, uh, just like that, reaching out to people, just saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Um, even if you don't have a lot of experience, like just do it. Imperfect action is better than no action. Right. Where? Uh, Facebook, um, Instagram. I found a couple of people through Instagram, um, that are doing wholesaling, um, mainly Facebook though, um, going into different groups, joining all of the groups that you can find that even look remotely, um, interesting, or like what you're looking for. I went through all kinds of Florida Facebook groups, uh, Pensacola, Escambia County, Santa Rosa County, um, just putting posts in the groups. Hey, I am a flipper. This is what I'm looking for, looking to make relationships with wholesalers and then put your email, my phone number in there. And eventually I get people just sending me messages and then we'll talk back and forth, tell them what we're looking for, become kind of friendly. And then all of a sudden they're sending you things. Nice. So do you care that they're sending you garbage? Like, are you cutting them off? Are you deleting their emails, not talking to them again? Or um, like, so, what would you recommend? So if it's like, if it's really is garbage or you're just not getting anywhere with them, I, I do tend to just cut these people off and like not to give them the time of day. Or if I notice that a lot of their deals are like listed on, on Zillow and stuff, and you're not really sure where all who's involved. I, I kind of shy away from that kind of thing. Um, I, if I'm getting leads and they're not spot on to what I want, either I'll be like, Hey, thank you so much for sending me this, but I'm looking more for, you know, I need a garage or I'm looking for three bedroom when you're sending me two bedroom. Thank you so much for that time. But this is what I'm looking for. And if it doesn't change or, or anything, I'd cut them people off too. Okay. Got it. Uh, Dustin, I got a question for you. You're, you got a general contracting background. So would you recommend that somebody gets their general contractor license if they're getting into real estate? Definitely not a requirement. It, it can help you along the way, but I, I personally, I believe just building those relationships would will help you the longest because you you may end up putting yourself in a situation where you're trying to run a construction company instead of a real estate company. The general general contractor license gives us an upper hand because I've built houses and I worked with a lot of crews myself. So I, the project management side and, and going into a home and, and seeing what's wrong and being able to come up with an accurate ARV is probably a lot easier for me than, than some folks starting out. Um, and definitely not a requirement though. I mean, it, it will help you, but it may complicate things too, if you're trying to do too many things at once. So when you got that license, did you start like working on your own houses? Were you running the crews and you were you the GC on all those houses that you did? We weren't. So uh, the houses we were doing were technically live-in flips. Um, I was doing pretty much all the work by myself. And then we would go out and uh, work on customer homes and then process. So I got, extra material and, and things like that, that we would use in our homes. And if we had downtime, I would put my guys to work on our personal home as well. Um, we really didn't jump into having secondary properties until we moved to Florida. And then I would just basically have my guys go over. And if I knew that they were well-rounded within a certain aspect, like carpentry, or if they're really good at painting, like, Hey, do you want to work this weekend? I've got this available now. And I'd give them a scope of work, set the expectation, 
And if needed, I would always be over there getting my hands dirty right along with them. And uh, I think that helped us a lot, earn respect and move things forward. Do you feel like some of that stuff slowed you down a little bit? Like the fact that you knew more than somebody else. So like you knew how to do things and, and stuff like that. A hundred percent. It slowed me down. I, I was actually just talking to another seven uh, F member about this today. He's a, he's a contractor as well. And when you enjoy the craft and, and you take pride in what you do, you can get caught up on a lot of the small details that may not actually matter, especially when flipping a home. Um, we don't always deal with the higher end homes and we can get caught up and spend hours fixing something that doesn't necessarily add to the ARV. Yeah. I see the same thing with realtors a lot. Some people ask me, should I get my real estate license? So that's kind of why I asked you that because I've never really, I've never really asked somebody about the GC license. I know a couple of people that have done it since they started flipping houses and they wanted to kind of, uh, I don't know what, I don't know why they got it, but inside of that, I, usually what it does is it like, if we know too much, it really can slow us down. Like I, I wanted to learn everything that I could about construction. I wanted to be able to, I wanted, I remember saying when I got started, I want to do everything first before I hire it out. And I, this is a huge mistake for me. Like it slowed me down massively, like years, massive opportunity costs, slowed me down years. And those were great years of buying around that time. Like I wish I was doing dozens and dozens of flips around that time. And so um, I, I think it was a big mistake for me. And then I've seen other people who have no idea what they're doing at all. Can't screw on a light bulb that have run bigger and better businesses than me in construction. So, um, but they understood marketing, they understood sales, they understood some of the operational side of things. They just didn't necessarily understand exactly how the widget worked. So, um, okay, what do you guys got going on now? So you came to Flipback and Live, um, and then you went full-time in your real estate business. And what's it been like since then? So since Flip Hacking Live, um, Crystal kicked butt and started our new business, Porvita Property Group. And she built our website. She got all the branding and stuff squared away. So we have a good foundation. I, I finished up all of our projects with our painting company and we shut that down. We recently found a lead, um, so where we're at now is we have one property that we're working on as a flip. We finished one, we completed and sold one about 30 days ago. And how much money did you make on that? Not a dime. Not a dime. Okay. Let's talk about that. <laughs> what happened? Well, like I said, we, obviously we can do the work. We had everything in place. We, we had the property start to finish back on the market in 15 working days. Our crews came in, they kicked butt. We did very well with that. It didn't need an entire gut, so that helped out. But we did a ton of yard work on it, new paint, new doors, new flooring, electrical updates. Um, what held us up is we still were kind of using, had a, our old mindset with it, where we can just do this and it, it'll go. And we used a hard money lender and that was foreign to us. So we had a lot more holding costs. We didn't necessarily account for. We probably should have bought the pop the property at a lower cost. We were just excited and ready to go. And <laughs> sometimes you just, you got to make that leap. And part of business is 
just having the faith in yourself and taking that that bet on yourself. So, so, so more money costs. Um, did the market affect you at all? Yes. Okay, so sh the shift in the market where these houses weren't just flying off the shelf. So you were doing more of a cosmetic flip, it sounds like. Um, the market changed a little bit and kind of stuck you there. Um, so you, did you have to do some price reductions? What did you have to do to sell it? I think we ended up doing staging and we did a price reduction on it. So yeah. price reduction, now you're paying for staging that you weren't planning on doing in the beginning. Um, you got some higher fixed costs of hard money and things like that that kind of ate up some of your profit. Yes. That sound about right? Exactly. Okay, so if you're listening to this, just so you know, um, it actually happens where people break even, lose money, make less than they thought they were going to make. It's not all um, uh, rainbows and butterflies on the podcast all the time. But um, my next question, I think, is the most important one is, we talked about all that stuff, but like, what did you guys learn and what are you doing differently because of it? Where to start? I mean, we learned, we learned so much from that. It was an awesome experience. If you take the money out of it, I mean, our systems are a lot better now. We, we gained a lot of subcontractors. We built a lot of relationships through this. Um, staging was totally foreign to us as well. And, and something we, we now have a few that we can call and we understand the costs that are along with that. Learn the value of knowing your numbers and not buying something too high just because it's there, because it's not, it's not going to work out. Wait a second. Didn't you already know that? Yes. Yes. No, I'm just, like, I'm kind of joking, but the reason I ask you that specifically is because, um, it's, it's like one of those where it's like, don't touch the stove. You know, when somebody says don't touch the stove, it's like you, you understand that it's hot until you burn yourself. Right. And so burning yourself sometimes is like the best thing that could possibly happen to you because, and, and a lot of people are like, they, you know it, you understand it, but once it happens, now it's real and it happened to you and you're like, okay, like you'll remember that. Like I burned the stove. I, now I remember every time I get close, it's like, ah, I, like I can't do that. I can't do that. And so sometimes it, sometimes it happens here. I, I, I wrote a quote down. I was, let me see if I can try and find it. I, I hope I can. Because um, we were doing an event the other day. Here it is. Uh, I was in Africa with our, my eight-figure members. And we were talking about becoming a $50 million CEO. We're talking about building a $50 million business. And somebody said, like, I'm not a $50 million CEO yet. And I was like, dude, who, where do you think you're going to figure out how to do that? Like, where do you think you're going to figure out how to become a, a $50 million CEO? Like, I, I don't know how to be a $50 million CEO. And so my quote was, um, I think it's a skill you, I think it's not a skill you learn, but a path that we walk. And so all of these things, like we think these are skills that we learn in a classroom, but it's really just like a, a path that somebody walks. Like you just keep taking a step and a step and a step, you learn something different. And so I loved Dustin, your answer on this is like, where do I start? What I learned. And then you went to the positive of all of the things that helped you. So like a book of subcontractors now that you were able to basically attract with this deal that will in the future make you a lot of money. Relationships, um, understanding the value of buying at a lower price and not being like, oh, that's way too low, I can't offer that. Like you have to offer that if you wanna make money. Um, understanding the fixed cost of hard money, understanding the, the possibility that the market could make a change during the whole time, even in 15 business days, right? And so all these things kind of happening and coming together. And now if you could learn all that stuff and do something with it, 
This is all knowledge and information that nobody can take from you. It's experience and knowledge that no one can take from you ever. The most valuable thing you can ever gain. You're gr gaining more ground, inches of ground in this war of business over and over and over again. You guys just gain like you, even though like the bank account may have stayed the same, your business acumen and, and experience is moving forward. And that's where you win. That's why the other people that haven't done anything, that are still sitting on the sidelines, that that have the same bank account. Their bank account is the exact same as yours. Your bank account didn't go up. Their bank account's not going up. But you will beat them in the long run by far. You will win the war. You win the battles because you're moving forward. And you're advancing. And they're just staying put. And, and by staying put, that equals regression. Staying put will always equal regression. So, okay, sorry. I had to get on my soapbox there for a few minutes. Um, any, any takeaways from that? Like anything that you guys feel like you want to say after that, that ramble? I, one thing I always tell everybody in the entrepreneur journey is that we pay for our education a little different. And this is part of paying for your education. You, you, it, it's not something we're going to forget anytime soon. And it's not a mistake we plan on making in the future. So, oh man, I'd pay for that 10 times over. You, you let me pay with experience and not money done. Like I went to college. I spent a lot of money. The government, I got, I got a couple scholarships. So probably to the tune of like, uh, like 1.8 to $2 million. My test pilot school was $1.6 million to go to test pilot school. They used me for two years and then tossed me out. And so it's like it, th that kind of stuff is, is wild to think about. You go to school, you pay a ton of money and you actually don't really learn anything. You learn some of the, the, the theory behind what you're actually going to do in the real world. But, um, this is, this is like a true education. You let me do that for free. Come on. Like I'll do it every day of the week. So what's next? You guys are working on a deal now. How did, what, how did you, number one, like, how'd you find it? How did you fund it? And then how did you, how did you look at it differently than the last one to make sure that um, you had a high, high opportunity to make money, a likelihood of making money? So this one came in through a wholesaler. Uh, another lead we just been getting deals in and it was, it was one we went out and we looked at it in person before we made an, made the offer. We're a little hesitant, I guess you could say from the last one, but we knew we needed to get out there and make an offer. Uh, we really worked our numbers over on this one and they wanted about 20 grand more than we offered. And we ended up meeting closer to our number. Um, and it works out for us. We're, we're moving along with the, the project fairly well. Our guys are over there as we speak doing drywall work and, and, getting it prepped up for paint and uh and had to do a huge yard cleanup on this but because of what we did at the other house we had people available to us that knew we were going to pay and pay on time and take care of them and they were ready and willing to work with us so nice what's the scope of work look like on this one this one is going to be interior paint exterior paint we've got a couple doors to repair uh hardwood floors we're going to resurface we got to build a deck out front we had to put a new roof on the house it was it was in really bad shape and um new hot water heater not, nothing too evasive on this we're not moving walls we're not doing anything like that the home itself has good bones and it's in fairly good shape i think the last time it was updated was about 10 years ago so some of the stuff we're able to still keep Okay. Where is it? Perito Key. Oh, nice. Okay. That's a cool area. That's a really beautiful, 
Um, if you're not from Pensacola, that's like just a little bit west of uh, downtown Pensacola. There's a the air, the Navy base there, a little bit west of that. Really, like on the way to Alabama. It's like right before you hit Alabama. So really nice. Um, okay, well, how'd you fund it? Our 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 own money. Use your own money. Use your own money to buy it. Your own money to rehab it. We yeah. used a uh, hard money lender. Um, oh yeah, it. I mean. Okay, so you funded it, funded it with hard money lender, same one as last time. Yes. So you guys know you knew the numbers this time, though. You can build it in and plan for it. Yes. And then what you're using your money for the rehab or something like that. Yeah, we we use our money to fund the mortgage on it through the hard money lender. Got it. Okay, so the hard money lender. If, if you guys are listening, hard money lenders is usually like points and interest. There's some junk fees like appraisal fees and upfront fees and stuff like that. So they'll fund the majority of it. There's like, uh, there might be a down payment depending on your experience. So you might have to pay like 10% of the purchase costs. Uh, you might have to pre-fund some of the rehab and then they do draws on the back end of the rehab costs. And then there's a monthly interest only payment every single month that you have to pay. So if you gotta, you, you can't just like, even if it's 100% financing, it's not really absolutely 100%. You're always gonna have to have some gap funds. You're gonna have to have some account that has some money to make the monthly payments on the interest, uh, some of the money that pre-funds some of the work. Uh, unless, unless you can get like net 30 or net 60 terms from some of your contractors, maybe the con but it's pretty rare that a contractor is going to front material money. They might front a little bit of the labor money, but definitely uh, I've, it's pretty rare that I'll have them front uh, material money. Um, and if they are, they're probably ripping somebody off from a previous job to move it over to this job and walking away from that job. And they're likely to do the same thing to you. So just be careful. I, I think um, a lot of times we want to like rake the contractors over the coals. However, um, if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. So I think it's a, uh, and, and they need to get paid and you need to get paid. So they're on the same, they're on the other side of the equation. You're like, oh, these contractors have ripped me off so many times. But they, they could be saying the same thing. Like these flippers never pay. They're ripping me off. They don't ever have any money. And so um, and, and let me ask you that, Dustin. Like you were a contractor. You had a painting company. Um, how did you feel about flippers? And what do you think about that? Like what is your take on how you take care of contractors? That's probably a really great question to ask and figure out. Um, what's some tips that you have on working with contractors, all kinds of stuff like that? 100%. I think communication is key and expectations are key. There's a lot of misunderstanding on quality of work or what may go into a job. If you can find a contractor that obviously cares about what he does and he can walk you through a property and tell you how the steps and everything start building that relationship that way of how they will repair the project and, uh, go that way with it. I'm, I'm kind of brain farting a little bit. I've got, I've got a lot to throw at you. So I want to, I don't want to go too far with it. Give me a lot. Give me a lot. They the people look working with contractors and finding contractors. is One of the biggest questions that I get, it's always the problem that people say like, how do I find a good contractor? How do I work with my contractors? Like, should I pay them up front? What should I get them to sign? Why won't they give me their EIN? Like, you name it, like it's just working with contractors seems to be like some of the biggest problems. And you probably have, you were probably on the other side of that with your painting company. So, like, what is it? What do you like to see when working with a flipper? So, I, when we worked with a flipper, I had our business set up that we would take a fifty percent deposit, and we had an 
our business was set up. You could find us everywhere. Uh, and we're very transparent with that. We wanted to be able to be seen. And I think that that helped our, us grow that part of our business and as well build better relationships and more trust within those. Because if you're, if you're worried that you're going to hire a contractor and he's going to run off with your money, he's probably not presenting himself in a professional way that you can avoid that anyway. Because if somebody's out there, their trucks are lettered, they have nice shirts, then the, everything's logoed. Like that that's the initial part of branding. And if a contractor does that, that takes a lot of energy and effort on top of them going and actually completing the work and doing all the estimates and everything else. That shows a lot deeper commitment to what they're doing. That would be the initial thing is if you can actually find them and that way, I mean, God forbid something does go wrong, you you can find them, right? Um, so I think a lot of people that are listening to this are like, yeah, that sounds that sounds really expensive. Somebody rolls up with a wrap truck and their shirts are all logoed, and it sounds like they're it seems expensive. So they're probably looking for somebody cheap that um, that is willing to do the project for a lot less than everyone else, and so that might be what's biting a lot of folks out there is they're looking for cheap, they're looking for um, they're looking for somebody who is not going to uh, charge them an arm and a leg. Let me ask you a, a question a little bit differently. Where do you find your contractors now? And what tips could you give for some of the folks that are out looking for contractors and subcontractors right now? So mine is just being on job sites. A lot of my guys, they because of the business I built, they were able to find me. Maybe I hired them and they worked with me for a little bit or I met them at a job site and just said, hey, how are you doing? What kind of work do you do? And I, I'll do that now where if I see somebody working on a house, I'll pull off to the side of the road and hop out and go introduce myself. So we would find a lot of guys on job sites just because we were working there. And in that realm of, of a job, you can see if people are very good at what they're doing, if they're clean and tidy, if they are dressed well and they carry themselves well, they're, that usually carries into their work and how they actually do the job that they're hired to do. If the guy looks like a bum is, and his truck's messed up, I mean, chances are his job site's going to be treated the same way and your home's going to be treated the same way. And there's nothing wrong with, with stopping. If you see somebody working on a house, I would do this all the time where I'd, I'd jump out of the truck, I'd go introduce myself, ask them what kind of work they do, ask them if they had a card, and kind of get a feel for them that way. It, a lot of it is... In the trade, you get, you, you'll find a lot of misfits. So you got to be able to kind of weed through them as a business owner in real estate where you can talk with them. Maybe I, I've actually told somebody else this, like look at it just like an interview on how you would hire someone within your own business. Ask them the same type of questions. Take account on how they look. I mean, if they look like crap, but they've been doing demo all day, you got to, you got to kind of work with that as well. But the uh, the big thing is just have an open mind to it. Finding these people, it, go to Sherwin Williams if you need a new painter. Talk to those guys; they get to see who's who the good ones are. They get a huge feedback from the customer base on who's a good painter, who's a bad painter. Home Depot's Pro Desk and Lowe's Pro Desk; those are great places to find other contractors. There's a lot of uh, local Facebook groups where you can find out if just by putting in a name and, and finding 
if that person has maybe backstabbed somebody or they have left a job site or did bad work and do your do your research your contractor is going to be your lifeline to your projects and if you can find a good one and take good care of them and not just worry about the money of it of paying them the, the least amount possible then you'll be more successful in the long, the long run i i agree like we as investors we can't pay necessarily retail prices on everything but if we can figure out a way to come to a common ground and talk with a lot of the contractors and say hey if i am able to provide you continuous work and i've got a bathroom that needs to be done can you give me a price point on this so i can make sure that i i meet my budget and a lot of guys are real reasonable with that i we all understand it it's it's just part of the process of of actually being able to keep that open line of communication and talk with someone. Um, that that's the biggest point, and they're people too. I mean, contractors are people, real estate investors are people, and uh, I I think that a lot of that gets lost because there's money involved, and you're not always going to deal with someone that really cares deeply about your business as much as you do. So it's your job to make sure you do the interview process and communicate from start to finish on what needs to be done. When yeah, I think that's great advice. You got like, uh, you talked about the interview process, like you're hiring this person, uh, treat them well. Um, but I, I love the the concept of look them up. So if you got their name then, and their company, then go into all these other Facebook groups and and search them and see. Because there's one thing that I've done in the past is you got somebody who's, I've had somebody who's like marketing something. They were like a handyman. And I went in there and I just searched this iHeart Spring Hill group. So I live in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And there's 40,000 people in this group. And you can see all the all the posts that this person has made in there. And it took me five minutes to find the 25 posts this guy made bashing every other company, um, talking about, and, and just the comments that they made, just treating everybody else like crap. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is not somebody I want to work with. This is not somebody, the character of somebody that I want to work with. And so it was very easy for me to disqualify that person. And and you mentioned it perfectly. It's, this is, a, this is, you should treat it like one of your partners or one of your employees, like somebody who comes in and is going to work with you because they are, if you, if you're a flipper and you're like, I don't want any employees. Well, if you've got contractors, everybody that you work with, your title company, your lender, the, uh, the, the workers, right? Instead of using the contractor term, they're all contractors. They're all people that work with you. They'll make or break your business based on their performance. So you want to pick them wisely. Um, you work so hard to get that deal. You work so hard to raise the money. You work so hard and then it can all fall apart. The operational side of your business is so, so important. Um, Crystal, I had a question for you as we wrap up. What um, You guys are coming out to Tennessee. You're going to come up uh, up here to Spring Hill with your kids, you got three boys. Um, we're doing a financial workshop, like a financial event on the first day and real estate on the second day. So Thursday and Friday of this week, what do you want your kids to learn at that event? I'm hoping aside from just being around other kids and other like business people, cause like we've moved across the country. We don't have a lot of family or like a strong network where we are. So just to have them like around other people who are doing similar things that we're doing is pretty um, interesting in itself. But I'm hoping they learn more or less, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to look silly or feel a little silly just trying something new. 
Um, like it's totally okay. The like the worst thing that's ever gonna happen is someone might laugh at you and they're probably not doing the things that you're doing, and that's totally okay. Um, just giving them that confidence to explore some other stuff too. Um, and money, like they need to learn about money. They don't get taught that in school. So hopefully they learn a little something um about maybe managing their money while they're there. I love it. How old are they for everybody that's listening? They're 10, 9, and 7, and they're already entrepreneurs. They have a snack stand that they set up in front of our house every weekend, and they sell snacks to the neighbors. What kind of snacks? Um, Just packaged stuff like Oreos, Teddy Grahams, drinks, water. Are they planning on bringing their snack stand to my office? They've thought about it. So do they want to come? Like, yeah. are they excited about coming? They're very excited. Oh, that's cool. My my son just turned nine yesterday. So yesterday was his birthday, turned nine. I'm I feel like I'm gonna be dragging here him a little bit, kicking and screaming on the way in. Um, but once he gets here, I know that he's gonna have a great time. It seems like everything right now at that age has been a challenge for me. Like doesn't matter if it's Cub Scout, soccer, church, whatever that whatever does not include playing with his friends is like he doesn't want to do it until he gets there and then he has the best time. And at the end, I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to do that again next week? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And then next week, same thing, kicking and screaming. What's that? Our kids are the same way right now. They're at that age where they're very independent um, and want to do things their way. But if they're having fun, all of a sudden it's fine. All right. So we'll make it fun. We'll make sure that they have a great time. Um, and if you listen to this, it, we're, it's probably a couple will come out after the event. So uh, we're going to have a great time this week. I know that. And uh, hopefully that we have some opportunities for you to do something like this with you and your kids in the future. Um, if we, if you are listening to this before June 8th and 9th, um, you can go to sevenfigureflipping.com slash kids. And we'll probably make that same site if we do something again in the future. So if you listen to this in the future, go check that out. Sevenfigureflipping.com slash kids. Um, and we're, I'm really excited about this. I want to, uh, I don't know. I have some ideas of where I want to take it, but we'll see how this first one goes. We have like a couple hundred people coming here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing it in my office. We're facilitating four different age groups. And then we're going to go out to my farm to have some fun. Make sure they bring bathing suits. Make sure you guys all bring bathing suits. We got some cool stuff planned at the farm. And uh, I'm excited for it. Um, any any last, uh, last things you guys want to say before we wrap up? Anything that we missed or some things that you're like, man, I was really hoping Bill would ask me this. And I know that the people need to hear it. Um, my only thing would be, so I'm getting over a lot of my own like self-limiting beliefs which is like, who, who the heck am I to do any of this stuff and to talk about it nonetheless, right? Don't feel silly trying. If this is something you're really interested in, no matter what in the world it is, just go for it. I love that. That's like my favorite, my favorite part of the entire event, the entire podcast we just did. Um, how can people, like, what do you guys need? And how can people reach out to you and find out more about you? So if there's something you need, like money or deals, or something like that. This is a perfect time to go out to, I don't know, 20,000 people. So we're still newer to like the private money um, game. We've never used private money at all. So um, learning more about that and just like structuring deals, how to, how to work with private money lenders. Like we've already said we've worked with hard money. We've used our own money in the past, but being able to have relationships with actually like people and not just some companies I f is more appealing. That's really upsetting to me. 10 years and no private money. Like you need to figure out how to raise private money. Get off of this call and go do the 500K challenge. Just do some studying, research private money. Um, yeah, this is like, okay. Yeah, now, now I'm triggered. Now I am triggered, Crystal. Uh, 
yeah, stop using your own money, go raise some money. Listen, here's the deal. Let me let me give you one, just one quick thing. The people will thank you for paying them interest on their money. Your friends and family need your help. The people in your world need your help. The people that you know and that you'll meet in the future, they need your help to make more money because they can't. They don't know how. They're putting it in the hands of Wall Street and all these other idiots out there. And you can make them a much better return than them. And you're more trustworthy. You're more reliable. You're more steady. You're more everything than them. So stop letting Wall Street steal people's money and let them make expense ratios and, and management fees and all this other crap that they build in there to just, just take their money down, 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 down as it goes down um, and go help them. So you have, a, you have a fiduciary duty to your people out there to go help them make more money. And if, uh, if you're not doing that, man, like you, just the joy of somebody thanking you for getting them involved in this investment, you know, doubling their money in a few years, the kind of things that, that I've been able to do, it's just magical. Like you'll never go back once you get a taste. So um, yeah, we'll talk about that over the two days to the kids, but you'll be listening in mom. So we'll get you to, your kids will be like, mom, we need to, we need to get some other people's money to make it to invest in our, our snack stand. We want, we need to 10X our snack stand. So we need to buy more snacks, buy more snacks. We need more money. We need an investor. So, um, what about you, Dustin? Man, I'm just trying to absorb everything. This has been an awesome experience. I, one thing that we set out at the end of last year to do was build our network, meet more people, get out and talk with more people. And seven F has given us that opportunity and, we've really enjoyed everything we've been learning, the experience it's offered us, what you and, and your crew is doing is it's amazing. It's totally changed the way we are looking at our businesses, at our life, at our future. And uh, I appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How can people, get, uh, what's that Crystal? Shirley's. Oh, I love to hear that. It's like my favorite thing to hear. And, uh, and, and I love doing it because it changed my life. Like it truly, absolutely changed my life. Like I was a paying customer for years and years and years before I became a coach and the COO and it changed everything. So of course I, uh, I want to give it back. Like uh, this, this business, real estate and building an actual business. The, the interesting thing is like building a business is real estate's just the thing. Like building a business is like, that's it. And that changes everything. You can do whatever you want. Like it does like you had a painting business and doing real estate. Now you can, you can do whatever you want forever like nobody can take that from you so um i love it how can people get a hold of you like what's the best place like find you on facebook send you an email like website what so find us on facebook i mean call me personally i got my my cell phone number it's, you can give it out if you want yeah 810-730-2136 is me personally so if anybody has questions or is feeling silly about something text me i will give you the confidence nice so there you go. You got our number, uh, private money. You got deals in Pensacola. Um, any specific areas that you want to look for? Like if you got wholesalers that are going to hit you up to say, can I add you to my list? Like all the areas. Pensacola, um, Milton Pace area. Um, that's about it right now. Scambia, Santa Rosa County. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm really excited to see you guys uh, this week and your kids. Um, I, I cannot, absolutely cannot wait for that event. I just came off of a three-day event. I, I usually sleep for like two or three days and I'm back in the office today just getting after it because of that kid's event. So I'm excited for it. I 
I can't wait to see the face, the smile on the kids' faces, the, I don't know, the confusion and just, just seeing some breakthroughs happen. And hopefully they come. I, I've got a pretty cool plan for the, uh, the Thursday at my farm, um, a transition from first day into the farm and some, hopefully some mindset shifts that happen inside the kids right there. So, and, and we'll be able to prove it at the farm. So it'll be fun to see if they listen, pay attention and, and change a little bit. So, uh, all right, guys, thanks for coming on the show. I had a good time. And uh, everybody that's listening, if you guys are interested in learning more about what we do in our seven-figure runway program that we've been talking about, you can go to sevenfigurerunway.com. So the number sevenfigurerunway.com and uh, fill out an application. It takes like two minutes, literally two minutes. And it's not a, a scammy sales call and stuff like that that is going to trick you into buying something. It really is just a consultation to see where you're at and how we can best serve you, whether that's uh, in the runway program or some of our free stuff. Just keep listening to podcasts, YouTube channels, stuff like that. So uh, thanks everyone. And we'll see you on the next show. Bye.